All right. (laughs) 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 Oh, God damn this week. (laughs) This week is one hell of a week. It it certainly was. It certainly was. But we're still here. Yes. For for now. Yeah. Um, In one piece for the moment. Despite the fact that we've got a fucking warmonger as the what the yeah pendejo in chief appointed fucking uh, chief security advisor John Bolton John Bolton of the Boltons of the Boltons like we the North we, remembers we 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 got a we got a taste of the destruction that Michael Bolton brought on the world <laughs> just imagine what this guy oh my god in the annals of power. Is it pronounced anals or annals? Um, yes. <laughs> oh, boy. In case you're confused as to why you're not listening to Amy Goodman right now, <laughs> I'm Pablo Morelli Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are Robots, Robots versus, versus Taxes on Radio Free Brooklyn. Yes. Yes. All right. Thanks for tuning in, dear listeners. Yeah. Where you can get your weekly dose of... Mostly correct news. Yeah, yeah, mostly correct. And a heavy dose of crystal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Constant speculation. <laughs> Wild conspiracy thoughts. <laughs> you know, without the heavy burden that we're going to try to sell you a milkshake or, you know, whatever else. What's his name? Uh, you know. Koresh? No, not Koresh. Close. What's that guy's name? The big loud mouth who's just like, the lizard people are real. Um, 9-11 was an inside job. That guy. His name escapes me all of a sudden. Mr. Rogers? No. <laughs> the right wing guy. The guy that uh, Trump loves. Alex Jones. Thank you, sweetie. From the peanut gallery. Yeah. <laughs> From the producer's booth. <laughs> My wife, my wife. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm cutting that. Oh, wait. No, it's your time. To That's cut. right. Please, please cut that. I'm going to put a reverb on that. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on. Also, by the way, I think I may have to rename my bedroom to the to the producer's booth that's <laughs> that's kind of cool and appropriate for more on that, join us for Robots versus Taxes After Dark. <laughs> only, <laughs> only on SoundCloud. <laughs> but yeah, jeez, uh, yeah. This is this is the segment called uh, Running Naked Ass Backwards Through, uh, through Trump, Trump Cornfield. cornfield. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, his uh, military parade was approved. Oh God, that's right. They're giving him thirty million. Thirty million dollars. Thirty him million to put on his fucking uh, look at my look at the size of my dick. Look at the size of my dick. It's tremendous. Oh jeez. This <sighs> is so. It's like it's disgusting now. It's fucking cheap and awful. It's starting to f- like America has the Trump stink all over it. Oh, for Pete's sake. What's next? Are they gonna like gild the Statue of Liberty? Like, are, is she gonna have like a crop top? <laughs> um, and then they're in the town square. They'll hang H.R. McMaster. Oh, jeez. 
Where are they? Where are they actually going to have this parade? By the way, I have no idea. I'm thinking it's in D.C. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Why am I getting stuffy all of a sudden? Because you. This you happens like every single time. You now. keep getting emotional. It's true. When you're on the air. It's true. I can hardly contain my emotions. Hold on, everybody. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Boogers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I I totally love to see him run for office. Really, Biden? Yeah, uh, no, Biden's time is over. You think so? Yeah. Why? Uh, I think he's too old, and he plays like he's too. To I, me, he's too do- like he's too dopey. He's too like of the old world. You know, I you know I want a Kamala Harris. I want to like you know I, with oh, with a Cory Booker vice presidency. I agree with you there, definitely that. I, but I, I don't think he's he's so out of touch that he would be. You know, I mean, first of all, when people say, "Oh, so and so's too old to run for the for the presidency," like we have to remember that the vast majority of presidents have been old. You know, like right. But I'm talking about like you know when Obama went in. He didn't like, and I'm not trying to like. No, Obama. I'm not trying to be sound ageist or anything. He's one of the exceptions. Yeah, but I'm just like tired of like crusty old white guys being like, you know, I'm gonna make America. You know, yeah. I, I hate to borrow the "Make America Great Again," mm-hmm. um, but that's you know that's what I feel like like most career politicians tr- are trying to promise. Yeah, so, totally, totally. But yeah, um, and then there's even talk about Bernie Sanders running, and I'm just like, Bernie's like a million years old. Like, he's the person that I would feel like I don't want him to die in office, kind of. You're such an ageist. Uh, uh, I'm not an ageist. I just don't, like, uh, Bernie Sanders is 80 years old. Okay. I mean. So? Is he eighty or is he eighty four? I'm. I. You know what? I can't even like. Well, what does it matter? Like, like because all, all people, that matters is that he gets a young, how... a younger vice president. Um, that no one will dare make an attempt on Bernie's life for. I guess. I guess you're right. Well, when people were discussing, maybe it's because of the danger of, uh, of the um, McCain Palin ticket. But remember when they were just like, um, uh, Sarah Palin is just one heart heart attack one away. Heart attack from, away. For that wow, man, what a what a bullet we dodged, huh? Mm-hmm. Jeez. I mean, but I mean, like, I I feel like maybe I may maybe I am being really ageist. I'm glad you called me out on that. Um, you know, what? if Bernie Sanders ran, then I'd be fine with it. That's right. I shouldn't have to be like fucking, you know, um, sound fucking ignorant about it. Well, you know, if if he became president, then you'd be able to go back to school and learn a little something. <laughs> that just because somebody's above a certain age doesn't make them useless. <laughs> I don't even know if my facts are right. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, he just keeps getting older and older during this <laughs> podcast. It's like, Bernie Sanders is 234 years old. Oh, he's 76. Oh, look at that. Yeah. You tagged another eight years on that poor man. I did. For nothing. 76. For my own kicks. Practically kickboxing right now. Yes. Kickboxing Bernie Sanders. I bet he'd beat my ass. He'd, right. I'm going to show you the robot dope. 
He's from Brooklyn, so. <laughs> I'm going to give you what I like to call the 1%. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck with that guy. He looks he looks like he could give you a um, uh, a Buzz Aldrin punch in the face. Oh. You know? <laughs> that just reminds me of this movie called Operation Capricorn. Do you remember that movie? O.J. Simpson was in it. It was about the faking of the moon landing. Really? No, I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I have taste in the oh sci-fi <laughs> that I watch. Not this. What is it? Operation Capricorn? Is uh, that what Capricorn 1. I forget what it was called. Capricorn 1? Yeah. Okay. Capricorn oh. was involved. What are you talking about? With you OJ, have taste. With O.J. Simpson? You better never talk shit about anything I watch this ever again. This movie was before the murder. It was while he was still big. That doesn't make it any better, dude. It's like, it's, yeah, I don't know why. It's I said still that. shit. You know, it's really, it's a really good movie. You Get should the, check it out. You know what? We we might have to queue it up yeah, right after the we, show. We should. Yeah, it's good. It, I'm telling you, it's good. It's better than fucking. Welcome Earth to your reckoning. <laughs> mm, we all the. So, so what are they called? This is the Talons. They're the Talons, and the show is Earth Final Conflict, and it's Miles. Miles the ahead Tays of Taylor's Miles <laughs> ahead of Capricorn One or Operation Capricorn or Fucky Fucky Fucka Fuck. Behold Chocolate Rain. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna stop. We're getting sidetracked. We have uh, so much like no. shit that we we need to talk about. That's true. Um we do you want to talk about the uh the Bruno Mars thing? Yes. First of all. I got to say, I got to give a shout out to The Grapevine, uh, okay, yeah. which is uh, where this, yeah, yeah, that's which right. was like the, the flashpoint of this whole uh, conversation. There cool was, site. Like it, cool, cool, like YouTube. Uh, cool YouTube yeah, video YouTube series. YouTube like, channel, yeah. They discuss some really heavy hitting topics that affect the black community um, and people of color. And it's the, the roundtable consists vastly vastly and 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 majorly of black people and people of color every once in a while they may invite like you know white guy or white girl or something yeah. like that but even then like they better be on their shit they're not they they can't come in there with like well why don't you guys just get over f-? no they yeah. would get booted out of there so fast yeah that they would prove that we actually went to the moon that's how hard they get <laughs> they, they get kicked in the ass. but anyway um, so super dope show. Check it out. Yeah, it's like point can. of view fight club in there. But Seriously. it's really and it's so, really cool. And so many different perspectives. Even the people who I don't agree with, it's like they still come pretty correct most of the time. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's been brought up that Bruno Mars is a cultural appropriator because of the music that he uh, records and produces uh, borrows heavily from black people. Um and uh, from his style and his dancing, you know, everything. Um, now, to Bruno Mars's credit, uh, he very often uh, cites his inspirations, which are... He does. Which He's, are... He cites them quite frequently. Yeah. Which are black artists who have come beforehand. But, however, I do want to speak to the point of him, um, him and cultural appropriation. I don't think that he is a cultural appropriator in the malicious sense but what we have to understand is that whether cultural appropriation is malicious or not it is still cultural appropriation um it has been said that his career has wouldn't have been able to exist at the level that it exists now if it wasn't for his cultural ambiguity 
and him being able to sell that as part of his image. Now, we have to remember that recording artists of the modern age, even before the modern age, are packages presented by um, these uh, music companies. You know, it's not just about the talent, though that's a major part of it. It's also how uh, you can package the visual and make it appeal to the audience. uh, to the buying and listening audience. Um, he he has a certain ambiguity to him. I believe his father is like Puerto Rican and Jewish and his mother's Filipino, I believe. Yeah, but I, I believe he's he was born in Puerto Rico. Like he's like technically he's Puerto Rican. Well Puerto Rican is a nationality. Right, right, right. You know, so but, but yes, he's all those things. He's but part he's Jewish, part um, part Filipino, part Filipino, part Puerto Rican, part, part Puerto Rican. So he's got he's got some Latino in there. Yeah. But you know, when you look at the guys, like he could almost fluctuate between it between anything. And one of the points that was brought up on the grapevine is that America loves black culture, but not from black people. And if you can, and more and more as as, as we've seen through the years, if you can filter that sort of thing through artists who are not black or uh, present themselves with some sort of ambiguity or in some sense are even able are willing to reject their blackness whether it's through the lightening of the skin putting on a blonde wig um, uh, contact lenses that change your eye color it's, it's like america gravitates towards that as opposed to somebody who is proudly black um and i have to agree with that point uh, I, I think that though he himself is not being malicious about it, the image that he encapsulates and is allowing himself to be presented in furthers cultural appropriation uh, within the music industry. And for me, um, though I do like that he cites his inspirations, I wish in order for him to at least begin to counter the effect that he has, whether he is cognizant of it or not, is to speak to that fact. It's like, look, I live in a country that uh, because of the image that I have and the way I practice my craft um, has allowed me a certain amount of success. Had I been a lot darker with a wider nose, had I looked like Michael Jackson when he just came out of the Jackson 5, and I was doing my thing in front of the American audience in this day and age, my career would not be what it looks like now. Um, look, you make you raise a lot of good points. However, um, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to call bullshit on this the woman who actually, um, who actually made the argument. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually think that. Did you watch the whole the whole thing? Absolutely, it had um, two parts. Yeah, uh, she's fucking mean. Like she's like, I hope he dies at some point. She's like, I hate his fucking ass. I hope he dies. Uh, or she, like she was like, I fucking dance on his grave. And also, she, she, she look. She was just being extra for the show. She doesn't really mean that. Yeah, but still, I'm just like, it felt really like. Like she had a fucking axe to grind, and to tell you the truth, I feel like um, her. Look, I'm probably gonna come off really ignorant, but you know what? Fuck it. This is what the show is about. That's trying, right. We're trying to figure it out. That's what we do here. Um. So, I actually think she's wrong. Like, I love the the mm-hmm. like the thing I love about the, the whole grapevine thing, 
uh, and actually the only thing I really like because I, I watched the the YouTube clip of the grapevine mm-hmm. and then I that led me to the actual whole discussion yeah. and the site which is awesome super awesome uh, and that's the only thing I like about uh, that woman's clip uh, because other than that she, I feel like she comes off like completely biased like uh, with I'm gonna say she's a fucking hater how uh, is she a hater because uh, okay every, every to, point to, that I just brought up is essentially hers right right exactly I'm not look you you brought up a a few other things is just like other than the fact that like yeah there we have to have a conversation about appropriation and like what it means to do that and like is it difficult for like for black artists to get the same like quote-unquote recognition from like the whole white mainstream or whatever yes absolutely like with that I will completely agree with you but I don't think Bruno Mars is an opportunist. And that's what that whole argument made him sound like. I don't think he's an op. I only think he's an opportunist in the way that all pop stars are uh, opportunists. Like what he's doing is he's running the gamut between all uh, sounds across the pop spectrum, which is like, you know, he does a song that sounds a little bit like to me, the first song I remember hearing of his was the oh yeah that mm-hmm. song and that's a police song to me that's like walking walking mm-hmm. uh is it walking on the moon or is a message in a bottle i can't remember um and like i feel like uh, that he's doing what a lot of pop stars are doing now like does that make him an appropriator i don't think so because a he cites he cites it and like he I think he really makes from what I know about Bruno Mars and I don't I'm not like the world's biggest like Bruno Mars fan. I, I couldn't give less of a shit right mm-hmm. about his music, but I don't think that uh, the title of appropriation belongs on him if I feel like he's sampling from music from across the pop spectrum. And the more I read about it, the uh I came across an article where fucking Stevie Wonder came out in defense of him. Mm. And Stevie Wonder, I mean, like, this is a guy that uh, I feel like, uh, I mean, he's like, what, three-time artist of the year? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, for him to come out and back Bruno Mars and say that this guy is really talented, I'm like, yeah. I think that people are, are conflating the two points, though. It's like nobody, if, if you break it all down, nobody is arguing against Bruno Mars's talent. He is a talented guy. The guy knows how to dance. He can sing. He knows how to write. He's written hits for other artists. It's yeah, like, like, fuck it, you from CeeLo, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like he's, he's done a lot of stuff. I'm not arguing that the guy is not talented, but being talented and pushing a car uh, and pushing a societal problem forward whether um consciously or unconsciously are two separate issues he like for example i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of this guy but elvis was a talented guy yeah yeah. the guy could sing that that guy elvis i will say absolutely is he an appropriator yes he was he's an appropriator and he was from what i understand he was he was a racist but yeah like let's break it down this way it's like an artist 
um, whether they are aware of what they're doing or not, because they're so out there in the limelight uh, presenting this product or presenting this message in their music are going to further certain causes or schools of thought, whether they want to or not, because they're, they're just like this big uh, media figure. Um, and in turn, that affects what happens in society. I mean, it's like music is is essentially the narrative um, that uh, accompanies our lives. So depending on the artist's makeup, it's going to have a certain effect within society. Like if the if the Jackson Five had been like five white kids or, you know, it's like they they the music would have been you know it would have made your fingers snap or whatever it would have been it, wasn't there like fucking the partridge family was like to me the, i think that's like the white jackson five it's like the white jackson five if the jackson five were white and didn't have any talent oh but <laughs> but that's what i'm but sorry oh shots fired <laughs> oh god so <laughs> next week's guest is the partridge family yeah, oh. <laughs> but <sighs> so depending on an artist's uh image or makeup they're 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 going to uh further or pull back certain uh societal stigmas or or constructs and the thing about bruno mars whether he wants to or not no matter how much credit he gives to his influences or not, like that stuff can still be true. He can still be talented. He can still be influenced by black artists. But at the end of the day, because of his ambiguity, he furthers cultural appropriation forward because because of the some effect of the image that he encompasses. It's like he he has this ambiguity and he has this uh, black music that essentially comes out at him. And the net result of that is X amount of success. If you change certain factors, in particular of his image, you would have a different effect that would be observable. And it's like, that's that's the problem. It's like, I'm not putting it all on his shoulders. He bears some responsibilities because he, he, he is the artist. He is the one who is uh, having the spotlight sh um, shun on him right now. But whether he wants to or not, whether he's cognizant of it or not, he is pushing that narrative forward unless he takes ownership of it and starts to speak to it. Then he can have some sort of effect. But a person can't just just because they're talented or just because they give credit can't absolve themselves of the effect that they have. Look. I can totally agree with you, um, especially like, yeah, if he if maybe he comes out and he's he um, voices of um, his like his point of view in your terms, like in, like he comes out and he says he talks about the, the fact that uh, if things were different, if like he was actually a black artist, that things would be things wouldn't be going as good for him as they are because he's racially ambiguous, right? He, he needs to speak to that. And I and I feel like if, he, if, he, if, if he's really brave, and this would get, get so much more respect from me toward him, if he started making music speaking to that, like, I think that would be, I mean... But, I, again, you're putting a lot, like, 
you're putting a lot of this, I feel like, on a pop artist. And like, two things, like, two things. Um, I'll bring up in terms of like my my quote-unquote defense Mm -hmm. of Bruno Mars, right? I think that um, historically, like uh, the the woman who was talking, who who was making all these points, she was talking about how um, this wouldn't happen to like Michael Jackson today. This like Prince wouldn't Prince wouldn't would have won a Grammy if he was more racially ambiguous. Mm. But I feel that. my both Michael Jackson and I feel like to a certain degree Prince, like in terms of the racially ambiguous concept, mm-hmm. this is like I felt like Michael Jackson was getting like it, it's it's so fucked up because it's like the I've seen it's it's weird that it's we're relating this to uh, an artist that is quote unquote racially ambiguous now because Michael Jackson like the more he tried to erase his mm-hmm. black features. Mm-hmm the more I feel like successful that he became. Absolutely. And then, um, if Michael Jackson had stayed off the wall, thriller would not have been as big of a success. Um, though with a caveat, it's debatable because that was a amazing fucking album. Yes, absolutely. But like just, just going forward, like had his image stayed the same from off the wall, Afro wide nose. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, maybe a change in wardrobe, but you know, so but I don't know. That fucking tux he rocked was <laughs> fucking dope. <laughs> but anyway, um, and then there she also cited Prince and the fact that he had never won a Grammy, uh, and also cited the racial ambiguity, like uh, the fact that like he's a black artist and he never won uh, a Grammy. But Prince, if we're talking about racial ambiguity. I mean, Prince, uh, to me, like, when I first, when I was coming up, I thought he was Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I thought he was, like, uh, like uh, lighter Latino. Mm-hmm. And then it was only later that I found out that he was black. But maybe that's my own, my own ignorance about the subject. But then again, I was like, what? 10 years old and plus you saw the taco meat and you thought thought this guy has to be Latino. yes (laughs) that's exactly what it was and because uh, prince me exuded like uh, i'm from another world you know (laughs) (laughs) and i was oddly attracted to him um you looked in his eyes didn't you (laughs) (laughs) yes that's what happened um and then the second point that I wanted to make. Okay. So I was like, I'm cultural appropriation to me has taken on such a, like it's something that is right now it's in its infancy, like our examination of it, because I feel like if we're going to talk about Bruno Mars, we're going to have to talk about like, because I feel like as a pop artist, he's sampling sounds music he's sampling music to me so if we're going to talk about appropriation are we going to talk about wu-tang clan in the same breath oh that's not the same thing is it not it's not the same thing um because they're it sounds to me 
And, and you know what? What else? You know what brought that to my attention is the the name of the woman who is actually making this argument. Because what is her name? Like, what's the name she's chosen, or like the stage name that she's chosen? Sensei Ahimatsu, uh, Ashimatsu, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's culturally appropriating a Japanese name. Like, when, like, are we going to start talking about how, if we're going to talk about like uh, this in terms of like, Bruno Mars is sampling pop music, right? Are we going to start talking about how Wu-Tang Clan has been... Uh, Wu-Tang Clan. I'm getting a little drunk. Um, <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan has uh, been, like, uh, taking entire, like, scores of Asian films and Asian music and just putting a beat over it. It's a, it's, it's a very different thing, and here's why. When it comes down to the the adoption of certain um, parts of Asian culture and presenting it to the public. It has a very different connotation by who does it. Uh, When a black person takes a name like Sensei something or other, or uh, the Wu-Tang Clan uses uh, sound bites from like Kung Fu movies and things along those lines, or make references to entire scores like like ancient right right what the the thing about it is is that when it's when it's done by people of color you have to look into the his into the history of why that's so there's been a very long uh parallel line between asian culture and black culture in this country one of the things that popularized kung fu movies in america was that most of the time they were screened in poorer neighborhoods because they were badly dubbed. These were sort of like almost like a niche market that was popularized by the black community. They were the primary audience that went and saw these films. So it sort of became like this intertwined uh, cultural diffusion, especially since Asian cultures and black cultures have lived side by side in terms of like physical proximity in neighborhoods in this country because they both first of all the black community has historically been on the lower end of the um, economic spectrum because of all the systems that have been in place since this country's creation and when Asians started to come into this country they were they they didn't have like that leg up they didn't come in and get like the best jobs they came in and did whatever they had to do um, so they, both communities would find themselves like very close to each other a lot of the time with a certain amount of, uh, conflict or friction, but also with a cultural exchange, namely in these movies. So when somebody of the black community adopts this name, like sensei or other, or the Wu-Tang clan does what they do, they don't do it in a way to sanitize and strip away the Asianness of it. If anything, they celebrate it because clearly you're not going to look at black people and say, oh, you know, they're uh, they're Asian or they're doing Asian stuff better than the Asians. They are sh- they're in a sense demonstrating the history of that like historical proximity in the United States and showing like this is this is what came of it. Whereas with with cultural uh, appropriation, it takes 
the tenets of a culture and strips the people away from it and makes it and renames it and remolds it into something that's consumable by uh, by a majority that doesn't care to look deeper into that history like it pays it pays no homage backward now the thing with bruno mars what makes what makes that such a hot topic and i'll and i'll get to my point um is that while he many people argue and correctly that he gives credit to the people who came before him it's like it's not just about him as a single person and him doing that one action of giving him credit yes that's a good thing nobody's saying like oh it doesn't matter that he gives credit it's like yeah it, it does matter but at the same time like there are more factors at play than just him and him giving credit like he has to understand that no matter how talented he is he is still being presented as something to to the public by powers beyond himself it's like that ambiguity is what is helping to strip away the blackness that is in his music and present it in a more i'll use the word sanitized version for mass consumption you can take his music and his image and play it almost anywhere and there and there and there are countries and communities that have like anti-blackness ingrained in them because of various factors colonization mass media or whatever but because of that package he's able to have success you know it's like there's something really wrong with that uh see i don't know it's tough to say for me it's tough for me to give up the argument that i don't i just don't believe that i i, I don't believe that of a pop artist especially of of the ilk of bruno mars and and that like i feel like i feel like you know uh, because bruno mars to me like to me i don't i don't know if i would even go as to categorize him as like they say he's that's ra racially ambiguous, right? To me, he, I never it never struck me that this guy was like. I was like, I look at him, and I, initially I was like, he's Filipino. Like I I don't know, but maybe that's just me. Like I never thought that um, for a second he would be quote unquote passing, right? Mm. Um, but I don't know. I just I can't give up the idea that. Um, that as an artist, I find him to be someone who samples popular music, and not to a degree where he f it feels like he's completely uneducated about where the music came from. I think he knows very well where the music came from, way more than a Miley Cyrus mm -hmm. who will like blatantly steal an entire dance movement from black culture mm -hmm. or black like black music. Period. Mm -hmm. Um, like if we're going to talk about a cultural appropriator, her Iggy Azalea, if Iggy Azalea is even relevant anymore, yeah. um, they essentially put on, they, they put on blackness like a jacket in order to get a certain amount of play. And then when it's convenient for them, they take it off and they're just white. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with that. I don't agree with that in terms of of Bruno Mars. I don't know. I just, I, and it's, and it's not coming from anywhere. I just feel like 
as a person who understands where the where the music comes from and will cite it and has extensive knowledge of it i think that um that like and i'm not like the the also the thing about it is that did he win a grammy yeah but like when has the grammys ever stood for anything relevant to music well now. That, i mean that's that's a whole i mean this is like that's a whole different argument like that's like, that but that i feel like one of the main uh structures of um of sensei's uh argument uh was the grammy the grammy issue because that got a lot of like oh shit facts right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i feel like the grammys really the grammys have historically across the ages been bullshit you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. well whether um, whether you want to whether you want to argue whether the grammys are bullshit or not which i certainly agree with you in terms of that um we can't deny that the grammys is this giant institution that is recognized practically worldwide um that's like if you win a grammy you are you are you are recognized by a musical body that holds a lot of sway that has a lot of power and a lot of money so whether whether you personally take it serious or not like it is it is this institution that has enough momentum and enough influence to make a difference in somebody's visibility and their career and as for you know just just because bruno mars is a pop artist like should we ascribe a certain amount of weight or seriousness um like to the issue it's like well, pop is a major force, you know. You know who comes around the world. I mean, yeah. I mean, shit. Look, look, look at the the inroads that J-pop and K-pop have made um, around the world. Because you know, it is pop, and everybody enjoys pop. You know, it's yeah. like, and while most of the time the subject matter is not, not anything. Me, yes, <laughs> <laughs> not me. <laughs> Everyone else loves pop music. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry, but you know, even though yes. The, the majority of the time, you know, the subject matter of pop music is not anything, you know, heavy or informative or anything like that. You're not, no, you no. know, it's not, but it's still, it's still something to be considered because it has just such a large influence in terms of how people mold their lifestyle. It's like pop is about lifestyle and within lifestyle is entrenched all the things that make us, us. True. But, um, okay. Can I cite one more artist and I'll shut the fuck up? Well, we need to move on to like the second half of this yeah, show soon. So. That's true. <laughs> um, I'll just mention like, like really quick Drake, right? Okay. Um, I forget what song of his that he, that I heard of his, but. Uh, it was ah, okay, listeners. You, you, we have proof now that Pavel has actually listened to, to Drake's Drake. songs. Yeah, no, dude, I've listened to Drake. That's how I figured out I didn't like him. Um, but uh, and I know that's that's not gonna win us any more listeners. But uh, but there was a song that he's there was actually more than a, more than one song where he's. It's like dance hall music, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Dude, dude is the furthest thing <laughs> from. Dude is from fucking you know, Alberta, Canada. 
Like, if we're going to talk, like, they is that hip- the same kind of appropriation, though? They got hip hop in Canada. Uh huh. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, Snow? it obviously didn't start in Canada, but it's like. The only Canadian rapper I could think of is Drake. <laughs> well, you know, he's the first to put them on the map. Everybody, hey, even Brooklyn had to start somewhere. True. Okay. Right. Well, but- no. What? No. Canada? Look, dude. <laughs> God damn. <no. laughs> For our Canadian listeners, we want to let you know we got much love look, for you. Look, a lot of love oh, to, yeah. to Canada. Ah. Yeah, a lot of love to Canada, eh? Go Leafs. But <laughs> seriously, guys, um, like, like when you think of Canada, you don't think fucking the mean streets of Toronto, right? Well, not yet. No. Well, dude, so, like, you're making it sound like there's this whole, it's like the North Wave. Um, <laughs> how, do you, how do you know there isn't a North Wave coming? I'm telling you, know, but Fuck but but no. to your point, like in terms of Drake and and cultural appropriation, like like are, like are is it? That's the thing is like like for blatant blatant artist ripoffs. Yes, I'll agree with you with the cultural appropriation, but with Bruno Mars, I feel like. You know, I don't want to come off sounding like a complete ignorant dumbass, but I feel like it's nitpicking. Hmm. Um, and I think that um, we're, we've zeroed in on an artist that is actually doing, in terms of like shining a light on black music, like him citing it, I feel like is a step, like imagine a Miley Cyrus or a Katy Perry doing that. You can't because they don't. Um, well, but I mean, but or Taylor Swift, like, oh my god! If we're gonna talk about like cultural appropriators, yes, Taylor fucking Swift. Taylor um, Swift essentially tried to remake Lemonade off of what was her latest album's name? I'll never know because I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> That's, you know what? Cause fuck Taylor Swift. Swift. <laughs> Or Justin Bieber, right? Oh God! Yeah, if we're gonna talk well, another about another Canadian, yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> but that's that's what I'm talking. <laughs> Shit, I'm fucking taking a dump on fucking you, you bet, Canada. They're, they're never gonna oh, let you pass that border, Canada. <laughs> Come on, guys. He's like, I no, like- we heard your show, eh? <laughs> you son of a bitch. I like Denis Villeneuve and Arcade Fire. Please don't punch me in the face with your uh, soft hands from, you know, all that maple syrup and Tim Hortons. You're anyway. going gonna to wake up with a moose head in yeah, your bed. True. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> anyway, I, that's that's what I'll say in terms of my argument. The end. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I came off sounding like a shithead. Um, I maybe my mind will be changed. I'm gonna try to come around to it and really think about what you said. Well, maybe we'll discuss it a little bit further. Maybe, maybe I mean, you don't have to come around. It's good to have. Uh, it's good to look at it from both sides of the of something. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like because <laughs> both sides of the issue. I mean, at the end of the day, like. Uh, as, as strongly as I feel about these sorts of things, like I'm, I'm, I'm in bigger pan, panic mode about like 
other racial subjects, but yeah. you know, but it was it was definitely something to discuss because it is part of the spectrum. But yeah, yeah, but okay. uh, but uh, let's let's move that, on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Ernesto Mancibo, and I'm Pablo Morales Martinez, and you're listening to Robots vs. Taxes, Taxes on Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <sighs> this past week, this past week, uh, Pablo and I saw a little film on our on our own, not together, yeah, but on our own by the name of Annihilation. Yes. Oh man. Speaking of cultural appropriation, <laughs> <laughs> this is a cultural violation. Oh, oh. God! It, like I really, the, I'm so torn with this film because. There, the movement of the film and the way a lot of it was laid out was something that really appeals to me as a sci-fi fan, especially as for like hard sci-fi, because it was, it was starting to nuzzle up right up to that line, and then they went ahead and and did the whole like this is Hollywood, so we're gonna do certain things with the minorities, you know, and certain things with the whites, you know. They thought they got us. They were just like, hey. It's an all-female team going into this like crazy. Uh, uh, all right, let me let me uh, get off the uh, the radio voice for a second. Yeah, so it, <laughs> please do. I don't know what you were channeling, but it felt like War of the Worlds. KTU. So what happened in the film? The premise. I'll try not to give too much away, but you know. You're warned. A spoiler might split out, um, slip out. Um, an asteroid uh, crashes to Earth, hits a certain part, and starts to create this like field, which within the field creates an alternate uh, sort of uh, a very exactly. It's not exactly an an alternate dimension. It's like a it's like a ripple effect in our dim- like it, it feels like it's like a, it's a, it's a distortion it's a distortion yes a distortion yep. in our dimension um, basically just taking dna and just having a party and doing whatever the fuck it wants to so it makes life as we know it very difficult to exist within like still possible but not exa- not exactly but profoundly unlike how we know it so they've sent teams in there. None of them have come back. So they're like, "What do we do? Let's send an all female female team in there." Yeah. So uh, that just was the... like, "Fuck it, just all women." You yeah. Know? So, <laughs> so. Uh, to me, I, I was just like, um, "Well, I, it, it, it they, there was a reason for that because they kept sending men in there, and the men all came back either dead or just like." Not a, no, nobody they all came, came back, back except yeah. Poe. Yeah, except so. yeah, Poe. <laughs> <laughs> because you know that's how Poe does. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but uh, played Come on, by buddy, happy beeps. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you said that. But um, yeah, played by uh, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaacs. Yes. So, um, all female team goes in. Uh, crazy shit starts happening. The here here with the spoilers start to happen. Shit starts to go awry, and the uh, the Latina <laughs> in the film she goes ape shit. She goes like fucking uh, uh, full metal jacket. She's just yes, like, she does. Yeah, she's That's like, right. She's like you motherfuckers. Da-da-da. That's the only problem that I actually had with the movie. Hmm. Well, other than the fact that the movie was kind of whitewashed, but sort of not really, sort of yes, no, because uh, apparently the main character is supposed to be half Asian um, 
and Natalie Portman certainly doesn't reflect oh, that. Oh, God. Is that why they made her look like that? Oh. No. No, actually. All it's, gaunt. And like, no, not not at all. It, they, they hadn't even, because it's based on a book. Mm-hmm. But apparently, the director only read book one, where they don't cite her race. And the her race is cited in book two. Oh. So, I mean, it's it's plausible that they didn't know. But uh, was the movie an amalgamation of all the books or just no, book just one? book one. All right. Because I'm going to pick up the books now because I thought it was really cool. Yeah. So. Um, so. But uh, Gina Rodriguez's character mm. uh, was the one that I had a problem with because it, it she was to me. It felt like it felt like the Michelle Rodriguez role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, are they going to do this to every Rodriguez? Like <laughs> every, you know, every Rodriguez who's a woman. It's like Butch. Oh, somebody fucking called the cops on us. Oh, they found us. Damn. We have to take our pirate signal cops. underground. No, no. What? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> we have to take our pirate signal underground. <laughs> yes. Because the cops are going to come and steal our crops. <laughs> okay. All right. I was listening to Cypress Hill earlier. Oh, okay. I thought it was a good time to bring it up. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like you get a you get a butch Latina who's in the military and wears a tank top. You know what's going to happen, right? She's going to get she's going to get Michelle Rodriguez, which uh, is like, which is just another word of uh, another way of saying she's going to get. Vasquez from <laughs> from Alien to Aliens. Um, oh God, <laughs> man! That um, that actress wasn't even Latina. She was fucking. Um, she's white lady in brown face. Seriously, yeah. jeez. So anyway, yeah, that's that's the problem I had with the movie is that um, is her character. Like in terms of like how I how this is another place where we're gonna disagree. Like where how it treated its its uh, women of color versus uh, the other women in the movie. You know what? I will kind of agree with you. I mean, the smart black girl, the physicist of the team, yeah, just walked off into gentle insanity. Wasn't insanity and became a tree. Did she become a tree? We never saw a bush. Yeah, (laughs) I mean. it is a horror movie, but yeah, that's that's the you know what out of all the out of all the problems it was like, like geez they got to do this again yeah. to like, you know, to like especially, uh, I mean it horror movies have gotten a lot better about um like it's like they to me they don't kill off the black guy right away in movies <sighs> anymore. Um, I'm sure if you look hard enough, they still do it. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, but it's like a rarity. Yeah. And I feel like even in those movies, it's like made by like a, a fucking bullshit director like Eli Roth. Um, <laughs> Your move, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> Your move. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I think it's a good movie. I really like that filmmaker, Alex Garland. Mm. He made Ex Machina. Ah. Also with Oscar Isaac, who was dope in he that was role. So d- I barely recognize him, which tells you about his like his yeah. acting. Yeah. He's it, like he's fucking great. He is. Um 
there's that line in that movie where he's like, remember when uh, he's with, what's his name? Um, the ginger guy. Mm-hmm. He's in that room. He's like, why did you rip up Ava's picture? And uh, he's like, Oscar Isaac's like, what? And he's like, why did you tear up Ava's picture? He's like, I'm going to tear up the fucking dance floor. <laughs> and then he just starts like, uh, dancing. That was amazing. <laughs> I want to say that to somebody. <laughs> Pablo, why'd you tear up my passport? I'm going to tear up the fucking dance floor. Dun, 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 tattoo, jump on it, jump on All right. Oh, I'd pay money to see that. <laughs> I really would. We've got plenty of more uh, robots goodies for next week. Uh, mm. We'll try to be a little lighter on the more serious stuff. Unless the missiles are in the air. Then we gotta talk. Then we gotta talk about that. You know, yeah. so. We'll be coming to you live from the rock, from the Colorado Rockies, <laughs> the RVT bunker. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, and, and keep tuning in. Yeah, keep tuning in. Guys. Show your support. We're here. And on that note, yeah, I'm love Ernest. You all. We lo- yes, we do love you all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And I'm Pablo Morale Martinez. And together we are Robots, Robots versus Taxes on Radio Free Brooklyn. You have yourself a nice day. Song of the Week. Now, number two, practice the snake style. He was known as the snake spirit. He had the speed of the snake. Circus out there. Circus, real bike. They outside, and then they roll back into their holes. They slither in the streets of Brooklyn, New York. Slither in the streets of Manhattan. In the streets of Queens. The streets of the Bronx. The streets of Staten Island. Wherever you see them, they slither. Weather. When they pat me on my shoulder Said stay strong cause his life is now over I flash back to the heathens that he rolled with They shot him up and now nobody knows shit My peers, little ears He came up to me with an eye full of tears Last night we were shooting dice and getting nice Kid rolled us and played us for our merchandise We were in the hallway all day Me, Steve, and Little Ray Probably at first they tried to rob me Back me in the lobby Pull out the shoddy then came Scotty, fragile body. My first impression, he returned from a party. He was just stagger, smelling like McCarty. The dragon, bragging how he was fucking mad hotties. Pressed on the elevator button, and all of a sudden, he licked off about a dozen. Slugged from the cannon that ripped through my cousin. And no one was standing when the niggas started busting. Blood started to flood the floors by the elevator door. That's the last thing that I saw. Damn, we plan to make grands of our home. Number two, Jagged edge, rockhead guard, hard as stone edge, two pledge, whoever crosses path is cracked with a sledge. Hammer, he didn't give a damn about the manor. Known the block, he was called by the mamas and the grandmas. Indecent, heathen, juvenile delinquent. His weekends was frequently locked inside the precinct. His most recent cake for catching pace was snatching up snakes on the roof, but naked, hang them off like drapes. 
Then that's what's the combination to the safe with the grace. And those who let me fly, they fell straight to their face. Raise the place sharp, who invades the dark. And wait more spots than spades and knocks. I ain't hard like Tony Starks. A fierce lion will never leave the grip without the iron. And on the block, he be slinging rocks and ducking from the sirens. Greeting niggas he love with a pound and a bear hug. Those who want to like, they catch a slug from the snug. A 5% who only knew was 1 to 10. He loved the guards with his heart, but his brain was filled with sin. And when he came through, niggas be looking out. Hoping he gets shot or taken out. Or locked the fuck up in Brooklyn House. And PC on a liquid diet. But he was louder than a riot. Yo, do the dollars to a nigga named Trigger Bad, rude boy from the land of Jamaica With visions to venture to the U.S. To receive the gold that he couldn't achieve in his country Even though we sold mad weed for the next man Who was the dawn of the clan Niggas acting like they got the block locked Like I can't sling drug raps and eat food But I be the rudest Bad boy stepping gun toting Shots slash out like a violent explosion At the nigga who tries to stop my production Intervene the scene and slow up the cream None of that black East New York gun talk Niggas I extort from Bortic The boardwalk Memories of injuries Wounds and burns Walking through the streets of Medina I stand firm Cause I know this Which means I can hold mine down Without a doubt Niggas who front Get snuffed out Justice must be born There's no escape Cause a snake can't be reformed So I wait Coming in the name To proclaim your fame For protection And you don't know No fucking lessons Bad, bad Leroy Brown Baddest man in the whole damn town Badder than the deep blue sea Badder than you and me Niggas coming through the trees Like a salamander Biting like a piranha But I'm biting your back like a black panther The style I'm amping the Fuck my name, who I be Fuck the game, it's all about the money No time to get high with the meth Then I turn to the killer priest When they come 12 o'clock I turn into the demon beast Yo Inspector Jack.